Let me begin this episode with a question. For the 7.7 billion people on earth, what is that one thing which differentiates us but also binds us together? The answer is culture. On one end, it gives you the feeling of togetherness, while on the other end, it can also make you feel alienated or let's say different sometimes. When culture has such a deep influence in our everyday life, Don't you think it should be considered as an integral factor when we are designing products especially at a global scale while many companies are aware of this it's still got a challenge to account for culture and influences in product design in this episode we will be talking about the synergy between culture and design some good and bad examples around it what are the different cultural models and what can be a cross cultural interface design strategy so without further ado let's dive in There is no doubt that technology and transportation have made the world a smaller place. Communication is no more a barrier and our lifestyles have changed dramatically over the last 3 decades or so. We now have access to products, facilities and services from companies that are working oceans apart. But that does not mean that we share the same experience while using these products and services. Part of that reason is culture. The fact is that culture is deep rooted and influences much more than we realize it goes beyond our clothing food language and has a direct imprint on the way we behave interact and experience things in fact culture influences what we see as good design or bad design let me begin with aesthetics you might have noticed that chinese apps and websites are busier and more colorful as compared to western websites and apps moreover It is common to see the UI theme connected with animals or skeuomorphic illustration like fish for auction, pig for booking or cat for e-commerce. And we can understand this from a cultural lens. Colors have an important place in Chinese culture and are attached to certain values. Similarly, for animals, the Chinese utilize the characteristics of each creature to represent traits they wish to call upon in their own lives. So it should come as no surprise that these animal themes and motifs are found in every square inch of rich Chinese culture and heritage. Coming back to India, you might have noticed how most of our government websites are packed with information. Lots of links, marquees and banners. If you ever talk to a government employee, you will understand how function takes precedence over form for them. And that's because they have to process information and tasks for a lot of people, and aesthetics is the last thing they will worry about. Now compare this to your food delivery or ride sharing apps. They have modern designs that are aesthetically pleasing to the city audience. India is in fact multicultural and you can notice that difference not in just apps and websites but the way people interact with technical and non-technical things in their environment. Now there are also certain products and services that exist in one culture but do not or are rarely mentioned in other ones. Take matrimonial websites and services as an example. The arranged form of marriage is largely a South Asian thing and has several factors associated with it that have deep cultural roots. To nail a service like that requires not only an understanding of various multicultural aspects but also requires you to be integrated in the cultural fabric of the society. So, this brings us to the bigger question. How can you design products for an external culture? Or how do you account for cultural influences when you are designing a global product? The fact is that this has never been an easy question. 
I have spoken to numerous companies about it and none of them ever had a definite answer for it. And I don't think there can be a definite answer for it. The HCI community has researched a lot on designing with cultural aspects and numerous papers have been written on it. But because culture is such a complex and diverse thing, none of them provide a one solution fits all scenario. On the positive side, it's not like we don't have anything on our hands. So, let's try building a culture model that can help us in designing products. I'll try to build this model akin to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is a very popular framework in sociology research and psychology. It is represented as a pyramid with the most basic needs like food, shelter and sex at its bottom and things like esteem, pursuing a goal and seeking happiness at the very top. So, let's develop a similar model for culture and design. At the very bottom, we'll have the most basic requirements for building a cross-cultural interface design. This will be localization in the form of language, currency and date and time. I think these are the most basic things that you will take care of when you are designing digital products for another culture. Most companies do this by default. But some go a mile ahead and make a seamless experience. Like Google Home supporting Hindi for conversation and the ability to seamlessly switch between English and Hindi. This is good stuff given the fact that voice UX is picking up quickly as an interaction medium. So let's move to the next level. And that is aesthetics. One of the well-known principles in HCI and psychology is the aesthetics usability effect. It simply states that anything which is aesthetically pleasing is also believed to be more usable. Researchers from Israel went a step ahead to check if culture-specific design can not only increase apparent usability but can also lead to system acceptance. They made two different ATM interfaces for users in Japan and Israel. The one in Japan showed a lady bowing to you while the system was processing your transaction. In Israel, this was replaced by an hourglass. The interface was then swapped to see the effects on usability and system acceptance. The results showed that Japanese users clearly preferred the lady design while the Israelis preferred the hourglass one. Thus, culture-specific aesthetics indeed affects usability and acceptance. The researchers were careful to conclude anything and ask for further introspection in this field. But this study does give us some indication on how culture-specific user interfaces can affect perception and usability. Colors and illustrations do play a significant role when you are designing products for a specific culture. Having said that, it's not always possible for a global brand to change their visual designs for different cultures. They have brand guidelines and well-defined design system that cannot be changed for different cultures. But if you are designing a product specific to a market and user segment, it's good to have culture-specific visual designs. This can also be flipped the other way. If your brand is closely tied to your country's culture, you will like to stick to your culture-specific aesthetics to differentiate yourself in a new market. And this brings us to the top level of the pyramid, where we actually deal with deeper cultural aspects of a society. Gerard Hofstede a Dutch social psychologist is known for developing a cultural dimension theory wherein he describes national cultures along four dimensions. And I'll speak them slowly. The first is power distance, which describes inequality and power as perceived by less powerful members of the society. 
This gives us an indication on how hierarchy is followed and respected in a society. The second dimension is individualism versus collectivism. Or in other words, how the society is distributed between small individual groups and families and large closely connected groups and families. You can roughly take it as nuclear families versus joint families. The third dimension is called uncertainty avoidance. It's related to the way societies follow codes of behaviors and guidelines as against a more open culture of acceptance of different thoughts or ideas. The last dimension explores if a society is male dominated or female dominated, how much their values differ and how both the sexes are mutually respected in the society. Now, the theory has been evolved to include two more dimensions that are related to following traditions and norms and whether a society is more indulgent or restrained when it comes to desires and materialistic needs. I think it's quite apparent how deep this theory goes to explain the culture of a society. The HI community has embraced it and there are numerous papers relating this cultural model with designing physical and digital products. I'll link some of those papers in show notes. If you ask me, I can think of some examples on how these deep-rooted cultural aspects can affect your products and services. Like Indians have a more careful attitude when it comes to buying and we also have some trust issues. That's why when Flipkart introduced cash on delivery, it became an instant hit with consumers. No need to pay until you get the product. Likewise, IKEA, which usually has a do-it-yourself furniture assembly model, is deviating from it to have a first-ever in-house assembly team for its India stores. They understood that in India, we always have somebody to do some task, from cleaning to refueling to any other service for which you will hardly find people in most of the Western countries. IKEA is also changing their product offering for local market needs. For example, they are developing a mattress that has a coconut layer because it is cooler for the summer. They will be adding such customizations and items ranging from cutlery to showroom layouts. IKEA understood this cultural dimension and accordingly changed their service and product offering. Similarly, Google Maps team introduced a two-wheeler mode in India and Indonesia because they navigate differently than four-wheelers. So you see how some of these big brands are adopting to different cultures across the globe. And this brings me to the last segment of the podcast on what can be a cross-cultural interface design strategy. There's always this way of knowing about a different culture through media, books, and word of mouth. While this might help, it's not the best way to know about a culture because all these mediums tend to focus more on the stereotypes that can be more of a misinformation than a true representation of a culture. I think the best way forward is to investigate cultural attributes through participant observation and ethnographic studies. It creates a lot of difference when you are part of the culture. You experience it and understand it more deeply. Through this study and experience, you can then build your own cultural model, the way I have described it in the podcast, or through any other process that suits your requirements. I would highly recommend going through this research tool called as Another Lens by Airbnb. It gives you detailed tips and instructions on how to balance your biases, consider the opposite and embrace a growth mindset while designing inclusive global solutions. So once you have your own culture model, you can go ahead with designing and more importantly, prototyping the solutions with your intended audience. 
that will actually tell you if you are proceeding in the right direction. If you want to learn more about prototyping, do listen to the third episode of this podcast. Overall, I'll say that understanding a culture is nowhere an easy task. It's always in an evolving state and there's no direct way to get all the answers. But I think as designers, we should always account for various cultural aspects. You might not get all the answers, but your products will suddenly be better designed if you embrace it rather than ignore it. On that note, I would like to end this episode of Doors and Devices. Do subscribe and rate the podcast on your favorite apps. And please continue sending your feedback to me. I would love to know how I can make this podcast more enjoyable and helpful for everyone. I'll soon be back with the next episode. Till then, have fun designing.